Welcome to Multiple Offers, a real estate show with competing perspectives. Today we are talking about frequently asked questions by buyers. Put that coffee down. If you're good at something, never do it for free. How'd you get the gig? Oh, you know, they were hiring. It was only a two-week course. I will sell this house today. What are you, some kind of real estate agent? Oh, he's a realtor. There is a difference somehow. This is Multiple Offers, a real estate show. All right, guys. I think this is episode 70. I feel like I've gotten really terrible at counting. Clearly. Like this is this is um, something that has fallen by the wayside. Um, but uh, what's going on? We're all just back from Labor Day long weekend. Did you guys have good uh, good weekends? I had a great weekend. Yeah. Jared's back from an extended here. holiday. I'm also here. Um, I had 10 days, I think. You were gone for 10 days? I was gone for a long time. Were you on Bowen or where were you? Yeah, went to Bowen. Oh, nice. Yeah, took probably a good couple showers to get the, the stank off, but uh, <laughs> um, but I'm fully clean now and I'm getting a haircut later today. Very so that's, cool. that's exciting stuff because I'm, if you can't see me, but I'm quite shaggy. Yeah. Yeah, and, he's doing uh, the long beard right now. Not uh, very stinky, but. But yeah, okay. But very much back. Nice. Oh, that's awesome. What's going on with you, Jeff? Um, it was a really like we talk a lot on the show about how if you're getting ready to list right before the Labor Day long weekend, that you should probably just wait until after. That's a topic we've discussed many times. Mm-hmm. Labor Day was crazy busy for me. Um, I I have four offers accepted and waiting for subject removal right now like this is not your typical labor day not typical we did in the we, slightest but you brought this up yesterday and so i know little inside scoop is three of your four offers are with buyers of yours yep so you have some control over that yes you're not waiting for a buyer to maybe appear at your listing which would be sort of unexpectedly busy yeah but you planned your week and it's like hey buyers are you away for the weekend the answer was no yeah so then you had an opportunity to do work. Yeah, just just interesting though, right? Like I and the, the stats came out and August was a pretty good month compared to the rest of the year, which again August is pretty slow. We had more sales than a year ago August. Listings seemed to be coming down like it it uh yeah, interesting. Not your typical August in the slightest. No, and I would totally agree with that, right? Yeah. And and the long weekend there. Again, you just need people in town to do yes. something, right? <laughs> yeah. And a seller at this stage is never going to say no to an offer. So if you've got a buyer who's in town and ready to write an offer, right. it, it is a great opportunity. It's a great time to write an offer. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Catch people sort of sleeping a little bit and uh, they just want to make it work. So yeah. yeah, it's good work, Jeff. Good weekend. Yeah. How about you, Matt? Anything cool to tell us about? Eh, no, not really. Okay. <laughs> Jer got to do the cool stuff while you had to stay in town and, and keep the machine like, running. He was away four days of those 10, I think. Wow. So. Well, I, I I closed a lot of business right before. Yeah, you guys have been busy too. Yeah. Yeah. So I felt like I'd all got it all lined up, did the work. Everybody we were working with was going on holiday as well. Yeah. So I felt like it was okay. Nice. Well, so. our jobs have become so remote. If something really came up that had to get dealt with. You would have been able to deal with it. Like yeah. It's not... Well, and for example, I left on Thursday night, so I took the Friday off. Well, yeah. And it, which I didn't. My wife took Friday off. I worked probably five or six hours on Friday. Okay. But, yeah. From my cabin. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and and props. This is totally off topic to the show, but props to 
Liz, I just saw the Family Guitar Shop got voted uh, Reader's Choice. Was that the record? Uh, that's the, the record, yeah. So yeah. their A-list, so they got um, music so, retail and music lessons. Oh, they took two of them. Yeah. that yeah. And that's Neil Doug's Guitar Shop, which uh, is a real New West institution. I mean, it everyone is. I know who took guitar lessons when I was in high school went to Neil Doug. Like, that's, yeah. Yeah, yeah they've been 50 years, man. 50 wow, years. that's crazy. Yeah. Crazy. How old was Neil when he started it? That's he was, a he was in his early twenties. Wow! And was it his shop right from the beginning? Yeah, he started it. Good for him. Yeah. That's impressive. Yeah, it started out obviously pretty small and pretty simple. And yeah, it's, it's evolved and had some changes over the years. But they've been at their location on Twelfth Street since the late eighties. Well, and it's it's very unassuming. Like when you drive by it, I feel like like that's not a location I would imagine that gets a ton of traffic. And when he started 12th street was gross. <laughs> yeah. Like it's, it's a way better neighborhood now than it was when he would have started. Um, and it's just like, it's kind of unassuming when you drive by yep. it. But I, I mean, I feel like the lessons has to be a big part of the, the business model. Cause every yeah. kid in new West, it's a huge part. It's, <laughs> like, it's the consistent yeah. part of the business. Right. Yeah. But like, I think the unassuming part is exactly what works about it. It's, it's yeah. very, it's a casual atmosphere. They want to encourage their students to do well, but lots of positivity and it's not, not really strict and formal. Yeah. And that really works for people. So it's been I, good. I saw Liz's post on Facebook the other day about when, uh, this is probably a few weeks ago now, but when the movie studio or, yeah. or films <laughs> crew came in and like bought out the whole store, yeah. I was like, Oh, Matt and his family must be having a dance party right now. Oh. Oh, the, the owners are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Liz, not so much. It's just a lot of work. That's cool. Anybody's listening, uh, it's called, the show was an ABC TV series called A Million Little Things. Yeah. So go ahead and watch them and look for the the music store episodes. They seem super cool. And are they donating all of the, Every, was it the guitars or the ukuleles? Everything, they, they, everything they buy that works, yeah. they yeah. intend to donate to high school music programs. So cool. So they spent probably almost 40000 Maybe fifty thousand dollars now. Wow! Yeah, yeah. They're building a whole music store on a sound studio, mm. huh? <laughs> so <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that's cool stuff. But let's talk about uh, let's talk with buyers and frequently asked questions and get into the meat of this show. Now you want to get nuts? Come on, let's get nuts. You decide your own level of involvement. Well, I guess this is a case where we'll have to agree to disagree. I don't agree to that. Neither do I. Wrong. National debt. Wrong. Wrong. Advocate. Wrong. With that money, wrong. 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 Very nice words, but happens to be wrong. You're listening to Multiple Offers, a real estate show. All right, so... If you haven't listened to it already, we our last episode was all about frequently asked questions for from sellers, and this just seems like the natural progression of that episode. So to follow that up with, we're just going to spend a little bit of time today talking about the most common things buyers ask us. And I, I think, why don't we start, Matt, I think you were saying you had something you wanted to kick us off with. I have one that I get asked every single time. I shouldn't say every single time, but probably 99% of the time. It's hard. Frequently. Very frequently. But I find with, with buyers, it's almost like they were... I had a harder time with this. Sorry, guys. That is a mic foul. I punched my microphone. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just so angry at Matt's question. Uh, so I, you, I find, you had a harder time coming up. Yeah, because yeah. I think they're, they're so diverse. Like buyers look at things through a very different perspective. It's a little more cut and dry how things happen for sellers. Yeah, I feel like... Most sellers have the same questions. Yeah. There's a lot of different questions well, and, buyers And, and, and again, have. all of our episode about sellers was essentially before putting it on the market, 
right? right. So how do I prepare to sell? Yeah. Very straightforward. Buyers can go about it so many different ways. Mm-hmm. Anyway, the one that I think is the most common is everything about the deposit. When do I pay the deposit? Yes. How the, much is the deposit? And I think a big part of this is even if we, the realtors, have discussed the deposit, it's so much money. Like for most people, I think that's the biggest check they've ever written in their life. Like deposit. So for people who don't know, the the deposit gets placed. Uh, usually, it can be negotiated at different times, but the the most common time the deposit gets put down is after subject removal. And this is essentially your good faith money. This is the money that gets held in trust by your realtor. And if you don't complete on the deal, this is the money you guys are going to fight over. The The seller is probably going to try uh, to uh, keep this money. And I think people get confused between deposit and down payment because yes. your deposit becomes part of your down payment, but your down payment can be larger than the deposit. And I think also people just stress. Like it's, it's usually 5% of the purchase price. So if you're writing a check for $40,000, people are like, oh, I don't want to get this wrong. Yeah. <laughs> like, I know you explained it to me, but, and also I feel like no matter how many times I explain it to a buyer, inevitably I will get an email saying, just wanted to confirm it's not until after I remove my conditions that yeah. this is due. And it's the when part that I think is most common. Yes. Totally. You know the little details too, like your full brokerage name. Do I need to put in trust? Do I need the address on it? Yeah. Just all these little details. Yeah. Yeah. So I find that's probably most common. You're right. I mean, it's a lot of money, so there's stress involved. I I, I put it in writing about like how to do it. We talk about it a few times and inevitably I thought you're going to say what happens to me is I get the text while they're at the bank. Oh, yes. Almost, almost always. Yeah, usually uh, just want to double check I'm doing this right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. I'm doing this right now. It's going to be a $10 fee. Yeah. <laughs> and something too that like not frequently asked of us, but something we always mention is about the funds being, you have those funds ready. Because if we find the place, we're going to need to kind of have those happening pretty pretty quickly and make sure they're not tied up in, in uh, RSPs. And I, I always ask that. At the point of writing the offer, I'm, I always go over like, hey, if you're pulling RSPs, you want to do that now, not when it's due, because yeah. that's going to take you a bit of time. Um, yeah, and usually it has to be a bank draft. That's something that shifted too. When I started, you could write a personal check. And then uh, 2008 happened, and a bunch of people bounced to their personal <laughs> <Yeah>. checks. <laughs> and the, I, can, I can fix that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no mass. Yeah. yeah. The, um, Became a problem for people. I. I had a cash deposit brought to me once. <laughs> she handed me an envelope, and it was a it was a very small deal. The the it was a five thousand dollar deposit, but she handed me an envelope mm-hmm. with five thousand dollars in it, and I looked at it, and I was, and she was this nice little old lady, and I'm like, I can't take this, and she's like, Why not? I trust you. And I'm like, No, <laughs> like, go to the bank. Like, oh man, yeah. government. The government's going to think she's a criminal or a terrorist. Well, the, so she was somebody who didn't have a whole lot of money, was in a really bad car accident, and the ICBC settlement took years, and she had already fronted all the money. Like, she'd paid for everything on her own before she got her settlement. So when she got her settlement, she used that to buy a home. She was buying it cash. There was, no, like, it was a tiny little, like, it was a mobile home. It was, like, $20,000. She was buying, she had all the money. Um, but just not a sophisticated buyer. Mm. And, um and really uh proves the point you yeah. gotta answer the question <laughs> yeah and i'd gone <laughs> over everything but <laughs> like, yeah. yeah on the money front uh moving on to um again this is something more of something we always mention but like, i do have a question like well i just went to my bank for my pre-approval um 
So oh, that okay. whole like mortgage broker on the financing side. Yeah. Um, we obviously like going to a mortgage broker. It's a little bit more of a thorough check. Um, Cause I think nowadays some banks, even like a teller, you can start like, Oh, I'm thinking of buying a place and they'll kind of get some stuff started and you can think it's a pre-approval and it's not really. Well, that that's exactly my advice is I always like, if people really want to work with their bank, that's okay. More power to you. That's okay. You yeah. can go directly to your bank. Although I have to say like my mortgage is with Scotia. The last time I renewed, I went directly because my mortgage broker was like, ah, you know what you're doing. Don't worry about it. Just go renew it. And I couldn't get the rate I knew they were giving to people through mortgage brokers. So I had to then go to my mortgage <laughs> broker. And and I, I argued with the guy massively where I kept saying to him, like, this is what I do for a living. I know you're giving better rates than this. This is the rate I want. And we argued for days. And finally, he said, you're right. I'm not authorized to give it to you, though. You have to go through the routes that that you've got to get somebody else to go and, and talk because I can't authorize. Like, And this is exactly what Jer was talking about. If you are going to go directly to the bank, make sure you're dealing with a mortgage specialist at the bank. At the very least, yeah. Because you can that. sometimes be talking to a bank and a banker who's doing that job, but they're not necessarily, mortgage aren't, is aren't necessarily what they do all day long. Yeah. And they may not be authorized to give you the best best deal yeah and they're and they're selling a product they only have they have a limited amount of products they're not there's a lot of fine print in that um and they're working for the bank not you yeah i mean i i always prefer getting a mortgage broker mortgage broker works for you for sure yeah agreed um okay i got one here yeah so what if on move-in day the seller hasn't done what they said they were going to do you get asked this a lot this comes up a lot yeah Like, what for ask, example, what are you asking them to do? Well, this is, I think, where the discussion should lead. But, uh, for example, we had a home inspection and we put in writing before we removed subjects, uh, seller will fix leaks in the bathroom. And then you get, you move in and the seller hasn't done it. What now? What now? <laughs> this, this makes me think, it makes me realize why. Um, we don't have as many questions from buyers yeah. because we try to get ahead of them having the opportunity to ask the question and freak out. Yes. Because if they're asking this, they're freaking out. Yes, <laughs> definitely. Right? I mean, it, it's kind of a crappy answer because yeah. you're like, if it's a small job, I mean, yes, it's a contract. Of course, they're obligated to follow through. Yeah. Um, but if they want to dig their heels in and not participate, you can take them to small claims court, which is a lot of hassle for you, or you can hire a lawyer and it's just not worth the expense of what it would actually cost to do it. Yeah. So what happens if they don't do it? What happens like we have in all of our contracts that the appliances would be in working order? I'm like, if you move it in the stove, doesn't work. It's probably not worth it for you yeah. to fight over this, you know. And if the small stuff, like a $1,500 like little jobby in a, in a bathroom or something, yeah. you know, you're not, yes, you could get a lawyer or an order to do like a hold back so that at least now the seller has some skin in the game to get that work finished. Um, but that's complicated, costs money, not really worth it. If you're dealing with, well, my financing needs, I, you, that roof is done and we're dealing with larger, larger amounts. That's definitely something that you would, would want to look into yeah. though, to make sure there's some assurances there. Then we're trying to put leverage on the realtor who represents the seller. Yeah. And eventually when it all boils down to the, to it, we talked about this in our episode, uh, can I speak to your manager? Uh, about, I listened about to that episode. Did you? Yeah, yeah. Gil, Gil did great. Yeah, yeah she was, was great to have on. Yeah. So we were talking about remedies there, and sometimes just a lot of it falls on yeah. the realtor. Right? I, yeah, I mean, it sounds like you guys have the same answer 
that I do, which is it's a bit of a trick question. In my mind, um, I try to avoid getting the seller to do anything ever because the idea of what the buyer has in mind and the sellers, even if they have yeah. good intentions, it's not they're not usually on the same page. Yeah, that's true. And um, th- this came up uh, actually on a place I'm removing subjects tonight where uh, my co- they want the the seller to do some work. And my recommendation is like, look, if it's enough work that we want to go back to the table and negotiate, you're better to negotiate a little bit of a credit off the purchase price than to get them to do work because they didn't do it right to begin with. (laughs) (laughs) And they're just going to do kind of a half job anyway. Um, And when I do get people to do something, most of the time um, I'm putting the big caveat of, Hey, like even if they say it, don't don't let your expectations get too high. There's a good chance you're still hiring a plumber to come in and do a little work when they get back and fix it up. And and like Jer said, if it's a big enough job that you have to ask for it, get some sort of hold back. But I think even better is just figure out what's going to cost you and deduct that yeah, from the price. Yeah, that is the but, better solution yeah. rather than writing it in. But like I've got a deal in place right now that says you know uh, an electrician will come in and tidy up some sure I- incorrect wiring in f- like three locations. It's yeah. accessible by the attic. It's honestly like two hours of work. Yeah. It's going to be a couple hundred bucks, maybe 250 So my answer to them of like, what if they don't do it? I was like, if they don't do it, I'll make sure it gets done. Right. It's $250. Like, yeah. you <laughs> I'll might make not, sure it You gets might not done. get a fruit basket, <laughs> yeah. but I'll make sure that your house is safe. Yeah. Well, and I, yeah, again, we're all on the same page there. Yeah. I mean, right? obviously yeah. when it's a $2,000 job, I'm not just signing up being like, don't worry, Matt and Jerry will take care right. of it. Right. Yeah. But yeah for I mean, a couple, at, for 2000 bucks, you probably should go back and do some negotiating with the, yeah. the listing. Um, but for 200, it's like, don't worry, just don't worry. It yeah. will be done right one way or another. It's going to be okay. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Uh, my other question. Going around the table? Or do you want to? No, no, it's no? fine. Okay. I, I'm, I'm done. That's all. I, That's I, only, all. Have, I only have one question. You one? Okay. <laughs> uh, so this one is, so I'll say it, but I got a little bit of an extra sort of bit that comes after the fact. But the question is, should I do an inspection? But I will. Oh, this, this is oh, a really a easy one. answer. But yes. That, yes. <laughs> okay. So Jeff's going to give the whole like cover my ass legal answer. Uh, but the should I do an inspection question, I will say though, only comes up really in the condo world. Obviously, if given the opportunity to do an inspection. Nobody ever asks, should I do an inspection on a house? No, they all want to do one on a house. Do one. Yeah, <laughs> they all sure. They all want an inspection on a house. Yeah. But when it comes to condos, uh, 10 years ago when I started, mm-hmm. everybody was doing an inspection. That was assumed. Doing yep. the inspection on the condo. I think probably with the depreciation report coming around where people have a lot better sense of the building now from the actual strata document package that they're like, well, if it's just the inside of the suite, how much am I going to learn? Yeah. Should I do an inspection? And I get asked that question probably eight or nine times out of 10 now. Yeah, I do too. What they follow through with it varies widely, but the question is asked all the time. I mean, even on a two bedroom condo, you're spending half a million dollars now in New West. Spend $500, get your home inspection. Now, if you're in multiple offers and you're trying to find ways to make your offer look better, that's a different conversation. Yeah, let's put that aside. But let's assume you have the opportunity. Yes, to, no no to one else a, is there saying. home inspection. Yeah. To me, I don't know why you wouldn't do it. It's it's such a small cost compared to what you're, you're doing. And I mean, I had a uh, half duplex I sold this year that was brand new. Uh, oh, one, one of my best friends bought it. Alex, you guys know him. Yeah. Um, and he asked me, should I get an inspection? And I said, yes. 
And it uh, turned out uh, on the second floor, none of the radiant heating was working. And the infrared camera caught it. And because we caught it, the developer had to fix it. And you know what? He probably would have caught it moving in and it would have been under warranty. But he would have been moved in. Yeah. He would have had to been like for a few months because it wasn't necessarily somewhere he would have noticed that the heat wasn't there right away. Now he's got to fight with the developer. You've got so much more leverage before you remove subjects to do do stuff. Yeah. I So that's an easy one too. So, so newly constructed detached homes. And to have duplexes, you should definitely. Do yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. What? Yeah, if stuff's under warranty, but you've got to point it out. Get some help with that for sure. What do you think? Like, what would be a situation? Would there be a situation where you would be like, yeah, I could go either way on it? Yeah. Well, often I get these condos where the buyer has every intention quite soon into it to renovate all bathrooms and kitchens. Yeah. Because because the question is like, what what am I going to find in the inspection in the condo? You're going to check if your heat works, like you talked about. Yeah. That the seller can remedy. Yeah, that the seller can remedy. Yeah, that wouldn't yeah. just be a default, go to the strata, they have to do it anyway. Good point, Jer. Uh, yeah. And, uh, and then plumbing, right? I always say to people that the most common thing that's going to come up inside of a condo that is the most expensive that you obviously can't see is rot behind the tiles mm-hmm. in the bathrooms, shower and bathtub enclosures, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, because you've got to pull it all apart to do it. But if you're planning on renovating the bathroom anyway, you're pulling out all the fixtures, you're doing the kitchen. Yeah. So if there's any, if there's been any leaks, any kind of damage, you know. Yeah, if you're going to blow it up anyway. Yeah, sure. So there's that. Or if even for some people, they go like, oh, I'm going to do some of the work. And I go, well, okay, you're going to spend 500 bucks and you think that maybe there's going to be a couple of plumbing leaks here or there. You say, well, move in, find them and, and deal with them. Yeah. Right. Okay, so I'll take the next one. Um, I thought you were done. No, I found another, I found another one. Um, because I think I was kind of, when we were doing prep for this, kind of thinking more like questions in, in terms of like leading up. Like we do our buyers meetings, sit downs, mm-hmm. consultations, kind of go over the process and things like that. But then Matt got me thinking about during subject removals. Um, and we get one like, because you do a lot of business with condos in town and depreciation reports. We we It's fairly common for a building that mm-hmm. is, I don't I guess any five years or older. Um, the depreciation report is showing a large sum of money that is coming up and yeah. they, and they, and it always kind of depreciation reports are the, scary. Yeah. I can yeah. Ir- irk the buyers a little bit and they think, am I reading this right? Matt or Jer? Is this saying that there's a million dollar assessment coming on this, on this yeah. property? Yeah. Um, so that's one that we have to kind of address a lot of times, right? Yeah, for sure. The, my short answer to that, I feel like buyers have gotten more sophisticated. Like when depreciations first came out, they scared the crap out of people everybody everybody and the problem was if you were an early adopter to a depreciation report yeah. you were actually penalized because you, were. you had this really scary report like, you're that obviously said, way worse and then these other buildings they don't have a thing saying i need to spend a million bucks in in five years and and all of a sudden it was a big problem now i think most people have kind of gotten used to the fact that like depreciation reports are they're a mostly visual inspection they're just going off book value, like what is the expected lifespans. And the reality is people are going to spend the money as they go, right? Like you're not – people have to vote to do this, these, these jobs, and they yep. need to have the the majority of people. And they're going to space these things out and they're going to do them over time. And like I mean we – I mean, there's a building at the key that says the insulation needed to be replaced five years ago. Yeah. Com- who's, who's ever heard of insulation getting replaced? <laughs> common like? one, a common one too you see is um, like say say plumbing. Your your plumbing is going to last. It has effectively has ten years left on it. You're like, well, we've had no leaks. 
You're not yeah. going to just rip open all your walls and pull out the plumbing if everything is working as, yeah. as needed. Because there's little warning signs, right? It's not just a complete failure and the whole building floods. Um, we get exterior cladding and windows, big yeah. big levees for that. You're like, well, if everything is working properly, well, they're not going to go through all of it. And so many stratas now are taking the let's do things to extend the life of these products. Like I, I feel like there's the water treatment plans through the pipes now. I mean, every parkade is doing epoxy fixes for how long. Like, I feel like no parkades get done when the per- depreciation like report we notice, says that we they notice get, water. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> pulling yeah. it all out. Yeah. yeah, they stretch that out 10 years beyond what the, the engineer first recommended. For sure. Well, and the engineer has liability too, right? Like, they yeah. do have to take kind of a chicken little approach and really plan for the worst, which is, is their job. But yeah. You know what's kind of interesting? So our, our seller's topic was all about how do I get my home... Like, every question was, how do I get my home ready to put on the market? Our buyer's one is becoming, I've got an accepted offer. <laughs> now what do I do? How do I follow through? Yeah, yeah. which is seems to be one more... Because my next question is on there, too. How often do you guys get asked this? Okay, so if I accept this offer, and a week from now before subject removal, I freak out, can I get out of my contract? I pretty much never get asked that. You never get asked that? No. I get asked that a lot. Yeah. Yeah. You never get asked that? Not not that often, no. Really? Yeah. And the interesting thing, I would say almost never do people, but a lot of times when I'm talking to people, they want to know, like, okay, what what if? What if I... I had a high, high anxiety client that, um, yeah, it's like in over 10 years of uh, doing this, I've I could think... Maybe one person talked them off a cliff a little bit um, and just kind of walked them through our, the whole process just as a reminder. Yeah. Um, but uh, I think only one person was just kind of dodging my phone calls. and, and Right. Like, yeah. So. so what? let's imagine you had clients. What would you guys say to those questions? <laughs> <laughs> Can I get out? I often say to people even, like they don't ask me in a sort of a really scared tone, but I just say, these are your conditions. And the yeah. option is, you know, if any of these don't, aren't satisfied for you, if you don't feel it makes sense to proceed, this is your opportunity yeah. to, to not go forward. But you do have to have a justifiable reason not to do that. Yeah. You know, I don't want, I know that anybody can essentially just walk away if they want to. Yeah. But I think it's good to go in in good faith and say, well, there should be a good reason here that you had the understanding that everything was okay. And if it doesn't work out, if your financing can't get approved or whatever else it is, you know, you have the option not to go forward here. That That's the exact language I, I use as far as I always talk about good faith. My, my comment is, and if it's a strata, reality is you can get out if you want to. Like if, if, if it's in a strata, part of the clauses we put in there are you approving the strata documents. That is such a gray, open to interpretation. You can say you don't like the fact that they don't allow pets. You can say the fact that you don't like the fact yeah, that they do allow just pets. Don't buy like, the, <laughs> just don't buy the nicer renovated higher up unit in the building. Sure. Yeah, 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 definitely. Um, but, you know, I always say to people, reality is if something's happening you can get out, but we should be acting in good faith here. You know, there's no point in going through the, this process if, if you're not serious about it. It, it. You know, we don't, it's not fair to the seller if you don't really intend to buy the property. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The bigger concern on the, how do I get out was, you know, I was doing a subject to sale deal recently. 
right? And they're like, mm, okay, yes. the only reason why I want to sell the home I'm in is to buy this other one. Yeah. So how are all of these contracts written in a way that a lot, that makes sure that the only reason yeah. I'm agreeing to any one thing is if I'm agreeing to all of the things. We've got we've got a subject to sale chain accepted offer yeah. right now. So we have an accepted offer on a townhouse that is subject. They have an accepted offer that's subject to sale, but we're subject to sale too. And our way to the seller asked us and we agreed was they put in a clause that's the same di- subject removal date as our subject su- to sale that just said the seller can collapse it subject to the seller being in a firm offer to purchase the price. So if they get bumped before we sell our place, they can collapse mm-hmm. the the offer, which I mean, if we want them to accept our subject to sale, that's fair. Yeah, <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah there's some funny dominoes there. Totally. Right. Yeah. So so much of it it is very different with buyers. You know, when we mm-hmm. when we work with them going in, we're just helping them kind of navigate, find the right home that fits them. Yeah. And then the big questions come. Right. And the reverse is the sellers. It's yeah. we need to get the home ready to present it to the buyers. That's the big questions. Totally. And then we kind of ride it out for however long it takes to to make it happen. Yeah. Two weeks to two months in today's market. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah. So awesome. Well, yeah, hope hope you guys found that interesting. If um if you have any questions that you were like, Oh, I wish that they had asked that, uh, let us know at feedback at MO Real Estate We'll be happy to do that. Or uh, at MO Show. Is that our Instagram? I feel like MO Show. At no, MO Show. No, we're more real estate how. Okay. MO Real Estate Show. MO Real Estate Show. Yes, there we go. Um, on Instagram, you can send us a message there too if you got any questions. If you want to get a hold of Matt or Jer, they are at the real estate. No, that's me. Oh, wow. I'm tired. I, I, I'm having a day. Um, I'm a New West guy, and Jeremy is a New West guy. One could say you're the New West guys. That, that's fair statement. Dot com. And I, Jeff, you can get a hold of me at realestatenewwest.com. Thank you guys very much. <laughs>